right? Got to sleep in today. That is great. Glad for you on that. I may be working on verses. You're memorizing Bible verses. Wow, that is that is fantastic. I saw some working and quoting their verses. Some of them actually were out of Luke that sounded like the ones here in Mark. And so uh, that is really uh, important to uh, put Bible verses to memory. And so I'm excited for you about that. Okay, uh, find your place here this morning in Mark and chapter number 9. We're just going to keep going in um, the gospel of Mark here. And while you're finding your place there, I want to make a few uh, reminders that our series is uh, Christ Makes the Difference. And uh, in fact, this song really just fitting very well with what we've been studying here in the book of Mark about really discipleship. And if Christ is going to make the difference, number one, you've got to know what? Who he is. You've got to know him. You've got to know who he is. And he needs to be the very center of your life. Not just a part of your life, but the very center of your life. And then yesterday, as uh, Andrew helped us out, and we played a little bit of follow the leader here, uh, then we saw that you not only need to know who he is, but you need to what? Follow who he is. Isn't that right? And what was the big confusion? Somebody just raise your hand and just uh, talk to me here a little bit before we get too far going and started. But what was the big confusion that Peter and the other disciples had when they put the fact that Jesus was Christ? Uh, Sean, what, what was it that they were looking at? Right. Excellent. Okay, so they were thinking it's time to reign. It's time for power and authority. What did Jesus say? It's time what? For the cross time for suffering. And so Jesus is saying, we're headed to the kingdom, but we're going by way of the cross, okay? And so he invites his disciples to take up, what? Their cross and follow him, right? To identify even with his suffering. And let me just, before we read our text today, um, a man named William Barclay said this. He said, God gave us life to spend and not to keep, to spend and not to keep, if we live carefully, always thinking first of our own profit, ease, comfort, security. I mean, you would say, you know, it comes real easy for me to think about my own comfort and security and all those things. Uh, if our sole aim is to make life as long as possible and as trouble-free as possible, If we make no effort except for ourselves, listen to what he says, we are losing life all the time. If we make no effort but for ourselves, we're losing life all the time. But if we spend our lives for others, invest your life for others, if we forget health and time and wealth and comfort and our desire to do something for Jesus and for men for whom Jesus died, We are winning life all the time. I love what uh, Jim Elliott said. He said, he is no fool. Have you heard this? He is no fool who who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. And if you know the life of Jim Elliott, in fact, as I was a teenager, his life was really a real inspiring life uh, to me. And how that he gave his life among the Aka Indians in Ecuador and uh, he, along with four other men, 
and then their wives, Elizabeth Elliot. In fact, Elizabeth Elliot just passed away just maybe two weeks ago or so. But she went back and lived with the men who killed her husband and tried to evangelize and reach the people there. God greatly used her. And so that story really challenged my life. And another thing that uh, Jim Elliot said, he says, I desire not a long life, but a full one like yours, Lord Jesus. And so he only lived, you know, um, a short time, but really God's used his life to have an impact on a lot of people. And so I pray that you'd, you'd see the need um, that your life following the Lord would have an impact. We're really at a, at a transition point here uh, as we come now to chapter 9, because Christ is to make a difference in your life so that he can make a difference through your life. All right, I want you to think about that here in a moment. Christ, once he's made a difference in your life, then he wants to make a difference through your life. Okay, let's just talk here just a minute. Um, this is like a super long pre-introduction, all right? Let's just talk here just a minute. How can Jesus make a difference through your life? Can you raise your hand and just maybe give me some examples, either, either, either of ways immediately or even into the future, how that he can make a difference through your life. Would you, would you think with me about that here? And just raise your hand, let me call on you. There's a number of ways that he can use your life to make a difference in somebody else's life. Yes, sir. Say it again. Through his word. Very good. Through you teaching the word, preaching the word. Exactly. Okay, very good. What else? How can he make a difference through your life? Lexi? Through an example. Absolutely. Yep. Uh, in particular, where? Where would you say? Maybe at school. You go to uh, public school. And so certainly if you live for Christ there, he can make a dif- he's made a difference in your life, and he can make a difference through your life. Okay, great. We want to preach about that a little bit tonight, in fact. Yes, ma'am. Say it again. Through soul winning. Very good. I hope that you're involved in the outreach ministry of your church in some way, whether bus ministry. Um, so important. Through soul winning. One-on-one evangelism. Okay, somebody else. Yes, ma'am. Okay, good. By being an example, how you handle trials. That really is a good application from even last night. Absolutely. Good. Somebody else? Let's keep going here. Yes. Just being involved in church. Okay. Is there a particular way maybe that you're involved? Is there a certain area that you love to, love to get involved in or have in mind maybe? Music. Okay, good. Would you agree that music can make a huge difference in a person's life? Now, we understand that music is to give praise to God, but also it edifies. It, it encourages and helps. Fantastic. Good. Yes, sir. Through prayer. Absolutely. Prayer. Yes. Prayer does not um, fit us for the greater work. Prayer is the greater work. Okay. Sometimes we think, man, I need to pray so I can get ready to serve the Lord. Well, remember, prayer is a way of serving the Lord. And prayer puts things in God's hands for him to work out. We'll see that in the message here today. This is good. All right. A couple more. A couple more. How else can you make a difference? How, How can Christ, rather, make a difference through, through your life. Okay, uh, Solomon? I thought you had your hand up. Yeah. <laughs> but you're going to branch out there. What's that? Excellent. Excellent. You know, that, that's a powerful way. Just through simple friendship. One more. How else? How else? Yes. Helping out in church, okay? Say it again. Help, yeah, he needs a lot of help. Yep. 
I love your pastor, but I'm saying that because all pastors need help. <laughs> love Brother Ranch. He's so funny to me. I just love being around him. Okay, so I think you're getting it. Once Christ has made a difference in your life, he wants to make a difference through your life. So I, I want to encourage you, don't waste your life. Don't waste your life. Don't waste your life on yourself. You know, the, I mean, it's not just, it's not just your age group. It's everybody. You know, we're all selfish, okay? Um, I'll preach a little bit about that tomorrow. But we're really all selfish. But I, I'll tell you, the most exciting way to live these years of your life is living these years of your life for Christ by serving others. Yep, that's right. And there's a number of ways you could do that. Mission trips and helping families and helping with kids. You realize you're being a good example to younger kids and helping them. Hey, there's so many ways, okay? So Christ wants to make a difference in your life, but it doesn't stop there. You are to be a funnel through which uh, he can do more. In fact, uh, my uh, friend and our youth pastor, uh, Seth Bailey, he, uh, he had a little illustration that he was going to do, kind of get everybody excited about camp. He had a funnel, you know, a funnel like you used to, okay, everybody know what I'm talking about. Okay, great. He had one, and he said, you know, before camp, and he had it upside down with the little skinny side of it pointed up. He said, a lot of times that's how we live our lives. But what God wants to do is for us to turn our lives upside down so that the big end is up, so that then things can funnel through us to others. Do you get that? Everybody get the illustration? You got a visual in your mind? Okay, so which way is your life being lived? Are you receiving from God? Is your life open to God? Because if it is, then he can, he can pour all kinds of things into your life that will be a benefit to others. But if the skinny ends up and you're only open to God just a little bit, then that's how much your life is going to be used. Okay, you get that? Are you in Mark chapter 9? You've had enough time to find it now? <laughs> I would guess so. <laughs> All right, so let's look at it. Mark chapter 9. Let's just stand and honor God's word here this morning. We'll read just a few verses. Help us get started. And the title of the message here this morning is Depend on Who He Is. Depend on Who He Is. Know who he is, follow who he is, depend on who he is. All right, let's look at it in Mark 9. And he said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that there be some of them that stand here which shall not taste of death till they see the kingdom of God come with power. Now, the very next thing is the transfiguration. So I think that's what Jesus has in mind when he says they're going to see the kingdom of God come with power because we know the kingdom is yet future. But they get a little glimpse, three of them do. Okay, now notice verse number 2. And after six days, Jesus taketh with him Peter and James and John, and leadeth them up into a high mountain, apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his raiment became shining, exceeding white as snow, so as no fuller on earth can white them. And there appeared unto them Elias, which would be Elijah, with Moses. So can you imagine this? Here's Elijah and Moses, and they are talking with Jesus. It's amazing. 
And Peter answered and said to Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. And let us make three tabernacles, one for thee and one for Moses and one for Elias. Look at the explanation in verse 6. For he wist not or he knew not what to say, for they were so afraid. (laughs) Have you ever said something totally dumb (laughs) because you didn't know what else to say? And you just went ahead and said the first thing that came to mind. It's good for us to be here, <laughs> Peter said. Let's build three tabernacles. I mean, really, it's like Peter is still in that kingdom mentality. Okay, we're just going to camp out here. You get a tabernacle, you get a tabernacle, and you get a tabernacle. And we'll just stay up here. How many of you, okay, I know you're standing and we're reading, but how many of you would say, you know what I'd really like? I'd like just stay up here on this mountain for a long time. I'd really like just to stay at camp. I'm seeing hands. I'm seeing people say, yes, yes. I, I, hey, I get that. I get that, and, and it's wonderful that God lets us have, and sometimes we even call it this. This is on a mountain, remember? God even allows us to have a, watch, a mountaintop experience. Have you ever heard somebody say that? A mountaintop experience? Hey, you need some of those mountaintop experiences, and that's what Jesus let them have. Okay, now, now watch the next thing. It says, and so, where were we? Verse 7. There was a cloud that overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved son. Hear him. In other words, Peter, please be quiet. <laughs> Let's let Jesus speak here. And suddenly, when they had looked round about, they saw no man anymore save Jesus only with themselves. And as they came down from the mountain, they had to come down from the mountain. All right now, we need to do this. Rapid fashion, look at verse number 14. And when he came to his disciples, he saw a great multitude about them. So they're down from the mountain now, back down to where people were living, because you have to leave the mountain and go back to life. Solitude is not designed by God to make us solitary. Solitude on the mountaintop, being with God, is to prepare you to serve other people down below. You got that? Okay, so they come back. And what's happening here is there a man, there's a man who has a demon-possessed son. If you look at verse 18, he teareth him, he foameth, he gnasheth with his teeth, he pineth away. And I came to thy disciples that they should cast him out, and they what? Could not. And so then Jesus it goes on and explains how that he cast the demon out. And so the man says, Lord, I believe, help thou my unbelief. Look down at verse number 28 and then verse number 29, and we'll get into the message here this morning. And when he was coming to the house, his disciples asked him privately, and I think this is a legitimate question, because they had cast out demons in the past, why couldn't they do it now? So they said, why could not we cast him out? And he said unto them, this kind can go come forth by nothing but by, say it with me, prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting. If Christ is going to make a difference in your life and through your life, you must depend, depend on who he is. Father, please bless this message. I know it's an important one. I know it's a basic message. Probably not a new truth here, but we certainly need to be reminded of it And I pray, dear God, that you would show your sufficiency and remind us, dear God, of our insufficiency so that we would understand our dependency upon you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. A new Christian comes to his pastor, and he really wants to begin to grow. 
So the pastor begins to speak about the greatness of Christ and his authority. And he really emphasizes with that new believer this great truth. Jesus is sufficient. What does the word sufficient mean? Somebody raise your hand real quick. Let's just do this. Take care of this. Yes, sir. Enough. Enough. That's exactly right. He's sufficient. In fact, a good way to say it about Jesus is that he's more than enough. He's more than enough. I'm reminded here before we move on, I'm reminded of the, uh, the children of Israel as they're coming up out of Egypt. And I mean, they're three days on their journey and they're saying, we're so tired of this manna. You know what the word manna means? Manna means, what is it? They went out there and saw the, the manna on the ground, which, by the way, it was a tasty delicacy, no doubt. It had to be. It describes it. It's like, you know, this dough with fresh oil in it. In other words, like Dave McCracken said, it was a Krispy Kreme donut, like a bunch of them just out there everywhere. Just imagine you woke up, came out your tent, and look, manna, which means what is it? Well, it's a Krispy Kreme donut and a bunch of them out there on the ground. Go get them. Eat them. Donut holes. <laughs> But they got so tired of the manna, and they, they got, you know, to where they were just sick of manna. And so they said, boy, I wish we could go back to Egypt and have all the flesh and the fish and the leeks and the garlics and the onions. That must have been one smelly meal, by the way, leeks and garlics and all that stuff. And so they said, we want flesh. And so to make a real long story short, God said, okay, you want flesh? I'll give you flesh. And he gave them flesh. And so the, the quail came, and, and it says that as far as you can walk a day's journey this way, and as far as you can walk a day's journey that way, there is quail uh, to the equivalent of about three foot deep. So how, how far could you walk in a day? Would you think you might be able to cover about maybe 15 to 20 miles? I would imagine so very easily, okay? So let's just say 20 miles. 20 miles that way and 20 miles this way. Oklahoma City is 40 miles across. It's about the third or fourth largest city in our nation as far as landmass wise. So just think about it. The whole city of Oklahoma City, 40 miles across, filled three foot deep with quail. <laughs> you want flesh? I'll give you flesh till it comes out your nostrils, the Bible says. Hey, he was showing them, I'm more than enough. I'm more than enough, okay? So Jesus is more than enough. Another teenager comes to, um, comes to her youth pastor and his wife with a, with a real problem in their family. And that, and that youth pastor, the godly youth pastor and his wife, is going to give some practical insights. I'm not overlooking the need for some practical things that you can do to help you in the specific scenarios of life. But they start with this, how great Jesus is about his authority, and then they emphasize just how sufficient that Jesus is. A young man struggling with pornography who's wanting to, to finally be free from that, and, and so he goes to his, his college and career director, and he asks him, you know, how can I overcome this? And there's a lot of things that, that he's going to have to do, some radical measures, maybe even get rid of his phone, get rid of, get rid of internet, get rid of all kinds of stuff. He's going to have to take some radical measures, but here's where his college, college and career director starts. Jesus is great, and Jesus is of supreme authority, and Jesus is sufficient, he begins with that because Jesus, listen, is always the answer. A young lady cutting herself because she doesn't like herself or in some way the pain if she inflicts upon herself somehow in her mind pays for the pain of her past and, and so she cuts herself. And maybe you know someone, I know I've got a, a lady in, in my mind right now that for years uh, had done drugs and other things, and, and so she has a problem, even to this day, with cutting herself. You know where I'm going to start with her? How great Jesus is. 
how much he's in authority and how sufficient that he is. I'm not trying to be, um, I'm not trying to give just a trite answer or yes, the Sunday school answer, yes, Jesus. But truly, Jesus is the answer. He is the answer because he is sufficient. So listen, whatever it is that you are going through or whatever it is that someone else is going through, the answer is Christ. Now we really need to be convinced of that. And if you have a better answer than that, then I'd like to know what it is. But there's not going to be a better answer than that. Because Jesus is God's answer for every problem. And I, and I get that there needs to be practical application. I get all that. But let's start with Jesus. Start with him. G.K. Uh, Kesterson wrote an essay, and, and the essay was this, What's Wrong with the World Today? And he wrote his essay, two words. After the introduction, dear sirs, I am. The problem with the, today's world is me. I am. What do you think? I think he's being dead level honest. If I were to write an essay to say what would be the solution that will solve every problem in countries and in the world and in individual lives, I'd write two words. Christ is. Christ is. In fact, he said it this way. I am. I am. And you know when he said that and the soldiers were there, they fell down backwards just because he said, I am. Bam! They fell down. Why? Because he's more than enough. He's sufficient. So here's what happens in our account. Okay, now we need to get this. Number one, you need to see this. And I know I've already emphasized it over and over, but I want it to be in your mind, deep in your soul, this truth. Number one, Jesus is sufficient. Would you say that with me? Jesus is sufficient. We need to believe that because it's true. Again, Jesus is sufficient. He is. He is sufficient. So he allows Peter, James, and John to go up to the mountain and to have some time alone with him. I'm so thrilled that you're here at this week of camp. And I love all the activities that are going on and, and, and everything. It's so creative and exciting. But the most important thing, and everybody that's running the activities, I know, no doubt, would agree. And all those things are really just to kind of help you to bond together so that you could really have this one, one very important experience. And that would be this, for you to see firsthand in your life in this short, compact week of preaching and teaching that one truth, that Jesus is sufficient that you get to have some time alone with him. Some time alone with him. I love that personal pondering time. Is that what it's called? The personal pondering time as you, as you have a little bit of time alone with him because you, you, you have this opportunity right now to see that he is sufficient. And I believe here's why. In fact, I want to I address the question, why did Jesus take Peter, James, and John up to the top of the mountain at this time? Well, if you know what's about to come, he's about to be crucified. He's about to face some of the darkest days. They are about to face some of the darkest times in their life. I mean, they're going to be confused by what's going to happen. In other words, a deep valley is just ahead of them. But before he takes them through that deep valley, he takes them up to this mountaintop to show them a little glimpse, just a little glimpse. I mean, can... 
<laughs> Can you stop and think about how significant this is that Jesus basically laid aside his humanity and allowed them to have just a glimpse of his deity? which he always was God. He never laid aside his deity. He always was God. 100% man, 100% God. But they, they were allowed to see him transfigured. And, and the Bible talks about how the, the light that radiated from him was brighter than the sun. Have you walked out here you know, this week? And man, the sun is just like, it, 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 of course, it's reflecting off that sand and it's so bright in your eyes. And you know, fortunately, hopefully you've got sunglasses because it's just overwhelming. Well, just imagine someone that you've walked with for the last three years who suddenly is lifted up from, from the earth and he's there with Moses and Elijah. Huh? And he becomes more radiant than the sun. Hey, listen. He let them see a glimpse of his glory as much as they could take. He let them see a glimpse of his glory because he knew that they were about to face the most difficult times in their life. And I believe that what God allows to happen in a youth camp like this is he allows you in these preaching times and in those private times and in those nighttime preachings to get a little bit of a glimpse of his glory because he knows ahead of you is a thing called adulthood. The valley of the shadow of death. Good morning and welcome to camp. <laughs> this is real encouraging, isn't it? A deep, dark valley awaits for you. <laughs> no, I get, and I know that there's a lot of joys ahead of you. There are. But I think it's real good, before you face the challenges down there, that he lets you get a glimpse of his glory up here. Hey, listen, I wish every teen in America could come to Ironwood or go to some camp and be privileged to know who he is and see his sufficiency before they face the, the rigors and the difficulties of life. They need to know that ahead of time. And you, listen to me, you are privileged to get to be here this week and to get a glimpse of it. And it's so good that it makes you want to say something like what Peter said. It's good for us to be here. How about we just stay here? I, look, I, I mean, I'm, Brother Ryan, I've got so many wonderful memories from what God did in my life at camp. I mean to tell you, I, I can still remember the night. In fact, Thursday is kind of a special, special night for me of camp because it was on Thursday night that I walked down the aisle and I prayed with my youth pastor, who's now my father-in-law, and I surrendered my life to do what God wanted me to do. And in and, and that way, God had already been working in my heart about preaching. And that night, I surrendered to preach. And I'll never forget being out there. It's a, a camp called Camp Chautauqua. It's in, uh, in Ohio, southern Ohio, near Cincinnati. And, and so anyways, but I looked up out at the sky and out looking towards the west, and the sun was setting. And I, just, and it, I was overwhelmed with the thought, God has called me to preach. Well, if God calls you to be a police officer, then you ought to do that with all your might and strength and do it as unto the Lord, whatever it is. But the main thing is this, you need to get a glimpse of his glory because he is sufficient. Number two, let's hasten here. Number two, number two is this, you are insufficient. You are insufficient. What do you think about that? That's really a nice preacher. Telling me I'm nothing? <laughs> can you do anything without him? Didn't Jesus say, for without me, you can do what? How much? 
Zippo, nada, nothing. You are insufficient. Here's what happened. Those disciples came back down. This demon-possessed son needed to be delivered. The father came to his disciples, the other remaining nine disciples, and, and said, would you help my son? And the Bible says that they could not. You know why? Because they were insufficient. Jesus, in mercy, cast out the demon. And the disciples said, Lord, why could we not cast him out? And Jesus said, this kind goeth forth, but by nothing but by what, again? Prayer and fasting. Okay, so, so what's the deal? When, when you pray and you fast, who are you asking to do the work? Him. And thus, when, when he does the work, who gets the glory? He does. So you need to remember these two things in life, and that'll lead to number three, and that would be this. Number one, you are, uh, Christ is what? Sufficient. Number two, you are what? Insufficient. Number three, that means then you must depend on him. His sufficiency and your insufficiency means that you need to be in complete, complete dependency upon who he is. The only way I can be the husband that I need to be to my wife is through the Lord Jesus Christ. The only way I can be the daddy that I need to be, the only way that my wife can be the wife that she is and mommy that she is and all those things. Hey, listen, the only way that you can be the young person that I believe you want to be is if you tap into who he is because he's sufficient. That way he gets the glory for it. We took... uh, Took the boys out. It's kind of our tradition to go skeet shooting, like you're shooting shotguns. How many of you shot shotguns here this week? Okay, isn't that awesome? I love it. You know, the, the, the uh, clay pigeons going out. So anyways, before we got into that, my, my little boy, Tyler, at the time, actually was maybe about four or five years old, so he wasn't big enough, you know, to shoot the big 12-gauge. And so we gave him a BB gun. And so it was one of those kinds, the black BB gun, where you pull it back, and then you push, push it forward, and it shoots, and it's kind of like... It's not very much. So my father-in-law said, hey, I know what we'll do. We'll play a quick one on Tyler. And so you tell him to kind of point at that tree. And about the time he pulls the trigger on that gun, then I'll pull the trigger on this big 12 gauge. And so I said, ready, aim, fire. And about that time my father-in-law pulled the trigger on that shotgun and went boom. (laughs) Trevor looked at that BB gun, or Tyler did, and said, Obviously, it wasn't that little BB gun that made that big boom sound. You know, when somebody tells you, hey, you did a good job preaching or you did a good job singing, sometimes you know what we're we're inclined to do is kind of do like this. Yeah. It's not you, though, is it? It's him. He's sufficient. You're insufficient. That means you've got to be dependent on him, on him. And if you can learn to be dependent on him, that'll solve everything in your life. You, you need to be renewed every single day by plugging into who he is. Some of you have your cell phone, and, and isn't it true that your cell phone has to be charged every now and then? Sure. So you take your cell phone, and there's a plug over here, and you think, well, I don't know, my, my cell phone, I don't want to drain all the power. <laughs> I don't know, is it hydropower around here or wind power? I know in Oklahoma, we've got those big wind turbines, you know, that are, that are turning and the wind power and, and then other forms of power that are there. 
would it be crazy for me to say, well, I don't want to tap into that outlet because I don't want to drain all the power out in my little cell phone, please. Hey, look, you're not going to drain all the power that he has. You just go ahead and tap into who he is, and you'll find he's sufficient. I heard about some farmers in, in Pennsylvania, and, and they, um, they were poor farmers. I mean, they're just barely getting by until somebody probably from Oklahoma contacted them and said, hey, we believe that there's natural gas or fuel that's on your property. And, and so they drilled, and they found fuel or natural gas there. Well, overnight, those poor farmers went to being literally millionaires. And here's the deal. The resource was there all the time. They just had not tapped into it. If you know the Lord, you already have everything you need. It's in Him. All you need to do is tap in to who He is. I close today with one, one illustration. For real. Stories told about a man who had a son who died at war. Um, he died saving the life of another individual. So a knock came to this man's door, and this man was a wealthy individual, nice place, a lot of portraits. I mean, a lot of very expensive portraits around his and so, in any case, a knock came into the door, and the, and the young man introduced himself, and he said, Sir, you don't know me, but your son saved my life by giving his life in the war. And he said, I understand that you enjoy paintings. And he said, I took a portrait, I, I took a picture of your son, and he said, I'm an amateur artist, but I drew a, pic, a picture or portrait of your son and just as a way of saying, thank you, I want to give this as a gift. And so he gave him a picture of the man's son. Well, the man was overwhelmed, obviously, by that. So he took down that expensive Rembrandt and put it somewhere else and put that amateur painting of the man's son above the fireplace. When the process of time, this man, the wealthy individual, passed away. And so they were going to have this huge auction so that people, I mean, I'm talking about art collectors from all over would come and, and purchase paintings that were there. And so the auction began, and, and so the auction began this way, though. It surprised everyone. Who will bid and receive the portrait of the man's son? There was silence. No one placed any kind of an offer to receive the son. Until a man in the back, who had been a gardener, who knew the man's son, had grown up around him and, and, saw, and knew him personally, he said, I'd like to receive the son or purchase, you know, the painting of the son. And, and so he placed a bid. And then the auctioneer said, going once, going twice, sold to the man in the back. And then he said this that surprised everyone. He said, that concludes our auction today. And everyone, <laughs> everyone said, well, wait a minute. What about all the other expensive portraits, the Rembrandts, etc.? He said this, the man handed his will that whoever received his son, the portrait of his son, receives everything else. I'm telling you today, if you've received Jesus, the Son of God, as your Savior, you've received everything else that you need for life ahead of you and life today. 
Number one, let's say it together one more time. He is what? Sufficient. Number two, you are insufficient. Therefore, you must what? Depend on him. That'll help you in life. Thank you, Lord, for your sufficiency. I'm insufficient. The people to whom I've preached today are insufficient. I pray that every day we would tap into who you are, dear God, because we need wisdom, we need courage, we need help. You told your disciples that this kind can go forth.